You are listening to A Window on North Devon, a podcast about people in North Devon, hosted by Jim Duncombe and supported by the lovely people at Woodstock Windows. Today we've come to the Trade Fair Cafe in Ilfracombe um, and I'm joined by a person who is a, a data analyst, a parent, uh, a town councillor, um, a 2016 community champion, campaigner, um, activist, Green Party candidate for county council, many, many things. Um, to some she is known by just one name, put her in the league of others such as Cher, Boris and Twiggy. Thank you very much, Nettie, for coming to, to meet us. Nettie Pearson is your full name, is that correct? That's correct, yes. Perfect. Um, now you're, you're quite an activist at the moment, and you have um, a strong political allegiance within the local community, which is probably one of the reasons you're quite well known in the area. And I think in this sort of climate, we need to start with a real serious question. And I believe that as a councillor, you also work with your husband, Frank. Is that correct? Uh, well, he's a councillor too. He's a councillor. So, in a sort of power, Ilfracoon couple way, I need to know um, who does the jobs at home? What are the boy and girl jobs oh, that leave you it do? Out. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I, th- I thought that was how you started interviews, wasn't it? No, no, that's fair, fairly uh, reasonable, isn't it? So, I mean, that seems to have been <laughs> a trend set recently. I was just jumping on the back of my gun. Okay. Um, so, let's, uh, let's move on a bit more seriously. Um, so, I just said that you, uh, why you're known and stuff like that. And uh, obviously we're going to talk about a lot of the things that you do and the, the politics you're involved in and stuff. And you're a strong activist for local groups and local issues in the area. Were you always like that? No. Or is that something that's happened recently? It's happened recently. I mean, I've always been um, politically aware, if not actively engaged um, I, I worked in the city very very different from working or being in and around Ilfracombe and doing the stuff I do here um, and uh, in many respects felt I wasn't doing a proper job I mean, that's not to, to devalue the job in any way it's just that it's, it's, it wasn't working in the public sector, it wasn't working in communities, um, and I've always felt an, an affinity with those, and yet um, I've enjoyed very much working with the people I've worked with and for the companies I've worked with. So uh, it wasn't until I was made redundant in 2010 um, that I started thinking a bit differently uh, about what I did in Ilfracombe and around. Mm, very good. Um, but there's no point at your childhood you thought, this is what I'm going to do when I'm older, I need to get involved. Oh, I never had any plans for anything, really. I, I've, I've kind of um, bumbled my way through life, I would say. I think that's the best way. Um, very Devon way as well. You're not from Devon. I'm not, no, I'm a Lancashire lass. I'm a Lancashire lass, and uh, I, I came here because... I left Lancashire, I was a seaside girl, born and bred by the sea, and I went to London um, to college. And much as I liked being in London, I always felt that the one thing it lacked was the sea. I didn't know Devon at the time. Came down to Devon in the mid-80s and fell in love with the North Coast. So I decided I wanted to live here and move out of London. Bought a house here. No jobs that I could do. So I stayed in London and came down here 
every minute I could. I think that's probably um, a story that many people um, can relate to, and a lot of people have done. I used to live in London and mm. moved back. So I think you are in a majority now, I suspect. I wouldn't be at all surprised. It certainly has changed. Now, by the way, when I said um, I haven't become really active until, well, until I was made redundant, actually before that I was doing various bits and pieces in and around the, company, the, the community. I just didn't have as much time until 2010. It's interesting. Um, I often, you look at, and this isn't, isn't um, rude or anything, but you look at the people who are involved in local politics and the people who put in the most time, and quite often they're the, the slightly older generation who have the time, because a lot of people who are younger seem to lack that sort of thing. Um, yes, I mean, you've got to be quite uh, driven or possibly brought up in a, a, a household where politics has been part and parcel of of your everyday life, really, I guess, to, to get that sort of passion as a youngster and, and to find the time for it, to make because you have to find the time for it. And I think when you're young, you're also... You know, ploughing your furrow, you're working what you, uh, what you want to do with your life. Uh, it's, it's about career, it's about family, it's about just you know settling down and and life. You know, is important. The people around you are important, um, and and sometimes that that's going to take your focus away from community. And it's a very rare individual, I think, who can give their a lot of their time when they're younger. Um, you are a Green Party member. Yes, I am. And um, your face is on a lot of the stuff locally, so mm-hmm. you are closely affiliated to it, really. Um, why did you choose that party specifically? Specifically, specifically. I only joined it two years, two and a half years ago. Um, I was never particularly drawn to join any sort of party until I met a young man of 19 at the time who wanted to... Um, get the Green Party, the young Greens really, um, motivated in North Devon. He himself was a member of the Green Party and was quite active. He's one of the youngsters, one of those exceptional youngsters. Um, Exceptional in lots of ways. He'd he'd left school to set up his own business rather rather than go to college. And here he was wanting to establish the Green Party in North Devon. So... I got the message through Ricky Knight, because I've known Ricky for, for quite a long time. And he said, this young man wants to uh, get the Green Party going. His name's Kyle. And um, we all met, about 16 of us met. And I found myself joining the Green Party and standing for election in, in the May of that year, so that was in 2015, for the local um, elections. I think also with young people, it's interesting that it's a brave thing to do, as not just time as well, but to suddenly at the age go, I'm affiliating, I'm mm. associated with this way of thinking and stuff like that. That is a very brave thing to do. And what I like about the Green Party is its, um, its commitment to public service and to public services. Uh, so it's, it's about looking after the people and the environment. And actually, in fact, it, it's recognition that we need to get our communities working together for the benefit of everybody in order to benefit our environment you know because we it's it's a it's a symbiotic relationship you know if if we don't look after the planet we lose the human race but we we, we do it really by looking after the humans if you see what i mean mm, absolutely 
Um, do you feel that the synergy of that is stronger in a coastal town like this? Difficult to, to say. I don't know. Um, I think Ilfracombe's quite an interesting town. It's <laughs> got so much... For, for such a small town, it's only, what, 11,500 to 12,000 people. It's got a huge amount of, of things going on. Lots and lots and lots of stuff. Across the board, there's, there's environmental things, there are crafty things, there's, uh, there's debating, there's fishing, there's sports. Lots and lots and lots of stuff happening in and around the town, which I think is quite unusual. And people seem to know it. You, you, wherever you go in the, in the country, if you mention Ilfkin, oh yeah, I went there as a child. I didn't. <laughs> but, but lots of people seem to have a, a, a recognition of where it is. Yeah, I think those are all big draws that I, I kind of personally thought of when I was looking for someone to live in North Devon, especially the sort of going on, and there is a huge amount to do here. Mm, and you're, you're part of quite a lot of that, which is, I think, more in, very interesting. Like, I didn't expect it when I started looking into what, you, what you're involved in, but you do a huge amount for this community, I think. Um, it doesn't feel like I do in lots of ways, but I am kind of... I just do the things that... that appeal to me yeah, I'm, I'm, I like communities that work together I like working with communities in the um, community gardens we've got I mean the motivation was that for that was about shared a shared understanding of of the importance of food of growing food um, and how how because I don't I I'm no good gardener I can't garden <laughs> save my life even after all this time uh, it's very hit and miss with me um, so I guess in a selfish way, it was it was me being able to um, work with other people to grow stuff that I can eat. <laughs> and that's it. So it's it was the it's the Laston Community Gardens. Yeah. And also is it the Cow Cow Green? Well, Cow Green. I wasn't in a, well. I was a member of Transcend. I joined Transcend. That was the very first volunteering thing I did in Ilfkin was to join Transcend, which at the time was um, it was a renewable energy advice um, centre. Uh, based on the high street, a little shop down there. And actually, the found there were three founders, one of whom is my husband. Um, and they, behind Cow Green, up off Cow Lane, which is behind Oxford uh, Grove, there's this dump. I mean, so it was a dump, hideous dump. Uh, there were needles, there, was, uh, uh, there were tyres, rubbish, uh, glass, all sorts of stuff. It was, it was really... I saw Um, and Transcend uh, negotiated um, a lease on that land and uh, transformed it and then another project was the Laston Green Community Garden that came out that came out from a different very a very different route that was because I've got a bit of uh, I've got a garden up on on Marlborough Road which was overgrown and next to the shore start building and sure start approached transcend um saying they were looking for some space for growing veg and the like to supplement their kitchen and tim cox who was a volunteer at the time not with us anymore and he came to me and said you've got this land can we can we set up plots so we set up something like 22 or 23 starter plots and we had the brownies and ilfkin juniors and the infants and um, sure start. We had a poverty action group. We had all sorts of of people, mental health um, groups, 
all had little plots there, and that worked for a while, uh, worked very well. And then the infants, I think, pursued their own garden, the juniors pursued their own garden, uh, and it, it kind of fizzled out and became much more of a... There was still community, but it was, a, it was less separate groups and more just the local people around were, were growing stuff there. Um, but on the back of that and the success of it, in sort of about 2009-10, I was asked if, because if, I ended up as chair of this group that I had nothing to do with, which is about greener, uh, the Green Alliance it was at the time, I was asked if I could find something over on the east side of town to do in a similar way. So I found this uh, land, which again was a dump, um, and found the owner and talked to him, and it became a, a project really it's a huge piece of land there and it and it's difficult to keep these things going and thriving with just volunteers i can imagine that is definitely the case um we're very 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 lucky at the moment because we've got michael who is who's come down from hertfordshire and he he's a gardener really it's his passion and he really is transforming it because he can give the time every single day to go down there and so we're making much more progress just because of him I used to um, go on a Wednesday um, to the, the for the younger children with my with daughter me. and my oh, yeah. son, um, and Haley used to run it. And the space is a really nice space. When the sun's out, it's almost perfect. It comes in. Um, there's places that are overgrown. There's the bedding for growing um, practical plants and things like that. The shed. It's a really lovely community space that's been built, and I think I hope it grows and carries on. Um, and I think green spaces like that are really important for communities. So that is tremendous that you do that. It almost folded a number of times. And each time something came along that rescued it, one way or another. When we've had adult community um, education have been down there. We've had mental health groups down there. Uh, we've had brownies and guys. We've had, um, what's it, youth, they called... It's on these projects for citizens, young citizens down okay. there. So, so just every time I've thought, we can't continue because there aren't enough committed people, something's come along and rescued it, and at the moment it's, it's doing really well. And before we started talking about this, you said um, that, you know, quite selfishly you wanted to do something with gardening. How, how much have you learned? I, Are you I, a better gardener? I've, I've learned that some things live and some things die. Uh, that some things... Uh, that all things need some attention that you're growing, you know. Uh, the, uh, I, I know that tomatoes just left to, to grow on their own become a jungle and actually if you, if you um, take care and nip out the side shoots, for example, you end up, hopefully, with... Because uh, I haven't done it yet, um, in the process with less... Uh, jungle a jungle to deal with but yeah I've, I've learnt bits and some things work and some things don't and I get harvests sometimes just in my own little patch um, and a lot more down at uh, the community space and so the community garden has led on, led on to almost a third project of that which is the Waste Not Cafe is that right? That's Lindsay Derbyshire she is an inspiration I mean she was one of the uh, the wonderful um pieces of serendipity that kept the garden going because she was on maternity leave and came along to get involved and whilst she was doing that 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 was one of the step changes in its progress 
um, we got the polytunnel and we were growing things in there and we had a fantastic year that year that she was on maternity leave um, and she's just creative she's extraordinarily creative she does many many things she, so she's interested in in making the, the, the going back to the old ways of doing things understanding about food about growing about the land understanding about how to cook based on on those things that are growing in your garden, how you can supplement that and how you can eat cheaply and nutritiously um, and create really tasty food. Uh, and she came across this project. Well, there's, there's, there's two sorts of things that are running, because Incredible Edible was the first thing that came out of it rather than the waste not uh, side of things. And Incredible Edible, I'd heard about in about 2010, 2011, when I was setting up really with Last and Green. I wanted to find out more about it and went up there to Todmorden, which is where it all started, in 2012 and met Pam Warhurst um, and came back quite enthused and started talking to Lindsay about it. She's now, I think, on the board of Incredible Edible right. uh, Network. Um, we've got, we are an Incredible Edible Ilfkin. We're recognised as part of the network of Incredible Towns. Uh, and that's about free food. That's about sharing food. That's about getting people to grow stuff in a way that that is is accessible. So we've got, I mean, we've got some herbs on the high street. That, that the sage at the moment is not looking good and needs replacing. But I mean, they're there for people to to share. The idea is not to take the whole plant, but you take uh, something of what you need, maybe something for a, a meal or, or whatever, as you pass by. And 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 that's the whole philosophy. It's slow to take off. Again, you need. You need, a, you need a committed individual who's very organised. That's not me. I, I, I probably need to be committed, um, uh, and I'm certainly not organised. <laughs> um, but, I, but I believe in it, and, and I like working with people. I like teams, uh, teamwork. Um, so. so that was the incredible edible side. So, so Lindsay uh, got involved with that, and with all her research, and she's, she's on social media and, and uses that very effectively with, with all of the stuff that we're doing. She came across um, a project which is uh, Feed Bellies Not Bins. Um, this chap has, has, has got a waste food project. He started it off again up in the, in the Pennines uh, way back. And, and so she's picked up on that and we've been doing a waste food cafe now for like six months. Uh, and that's fantastic. Right? So that's food, the amount of food that gets thrown out by supermarkets particularly during the winter months here because they are, it, with our um, numbers swelling during the summer there's less, there'll be less waste at the supermarkets but um, yeah, so we've, we've got a reputation for making decent uh, veggie curry and uh, veggie lasagna down at our Waste Not Cafe which tomorrow is on at Pip and Jim's Hall um, Is it always at Pip and Jim's Hall? Uh, it has been, uh, we did one at, uh, we had a thing at the Lantern we had a an information day and lots of stuff going on and, and uh, potato, seed potatoes on sale and all sorts of things. And so we did a, a kind of cut-down version of it. Um, what I'll do is, um, for everyone listening, um, when I um, publish the uh, podcast, they can go on our website and we'll have a list of all these fantastic projects. So <laughs> they don't have to retain the information. Um, a really important question that everyone has to answer is, what is your favourite part of the A361? My favourite part of the A361. <laughs> a very strange question. Ilfukin, of course. Ilfukin. <laughs> the best answer so far. <laughs> um, 
the uh, Save Our Hospitals service campaign or um, movement, whatever you choose to call it, is probably where a lot of people have recently seen you as a driven individual um, and you've come across passionate and informed and a strong belief behind what needs to happen and what needs to go and how it needs to work. It's a very important subject for everybody. Um, we just had a general election. What's the update on it now? What, where do we stand, first of all? Um, we're still where we were, really, um, waiting for the the proposals to come out from the uh, Sustainability and Transformation Plan process. Um, when we're expecting we're expecting some cuts to services, and we're hoping for none, of course. Uh, and we are having to plan how we will respond uh, to their consultation. I mean, the, the, I think we need to. I mean, I think the general view is we need to engage in their consultation, but that we will make it very, very clear that uh, cuts to services are not acceptable. Um, was it last year? There was lots of there was the the big marches, the red line marches mm -hmm. in Ilfracombe and Barnstable. Yep. Huge, huge turnout. Yep. Is that momentum still there? Do people still think that there? is a way that we can make a difference? I hope so. Uh, I th those events are as much as anything about getting the word out because it's amazingly difficult to, to explain to people what's actually happening to the National Health Service and how it's likely to impact on our local services. Uh, there's mass privatisation going on in the NHS, not just of, uh, of provision of, of service, but behind the scenes, you know, the uh, IT support, management consultancies, uh, people making decisions. Um, I, actually, you shouldn't get me started on this. There's so much. There's too much really to talk about. But it's, I found it shocking when I discovered that McKinsey, a well-known uh, American management consultancy firm, was partly responsible for writing the 2012 Health and Social Care Act. I mean, that sort of stuff. It's mind-boggling. And then when you start digging and you find out how much and how deeply embedded these American companies already are within our National Health Service, it's, it's terrifying, really. You know, that everything that's, that the National Health Service stands for has been systematically taken apart. At the moment, it's being devolved. So we, won't, we don't have a National Health Service anymore. We have lots of local health services, which will have their local budgets, and they'll expect those budgets to be combined with the health and the social care needs, which means you'll start blurring the boundaries between what gets paid for and what doesn't get paid for, and things which have previously been free at the point of delivery may not be. So when people tell you that the NHS will always be free at the point of delivery, and that is our driver, you then have to ask, but what are those services that are free at the point of delivery? You know, we have NHS dentists. You have a menu of things, some of which may be free for certain people. Um, it's likely that our emergency services will remain under the NHS banner. They're too expensive. You can't get enough profit out of those. Sorry. <clears throat> I get very, very, very angry about what's been happening in the NHS. And the fact that everybody's... The professionals are just capitulating, are just accepting it. And the, the, the basis, the whole basis of it of what's happening with their sustainability and transformation plans is that in the five-year forward view, Simon Hughes said, we won't 
be funded in the NHS in future as we have been in the past. Just a given. No challenge, no question why not, but simply this is a fact, therefore we've got to cut our cloth. So everything's been reversed. It's not no longer this is the services, these are the services we need to be providing. Let's cost them up and then go to government and say this is what we need. And that's taking into account the fact that we, we still need to make sure people look after themselves, boost our public health instead of slashing the budget for it, for example. Keeping people out of hospital, yes. Keeping people looking after themselves, sensible diet. But all of these things need a proper commitment to the public services, to all of them. And we are being taken... What's the word? It's, been, it, it's all being diminished. It's being shrunk. This is, this is what they mean by shrinking the state. It's shrinking the services that we've come to rely on. And I think it impoverishes us all. How can people help? How can they help? Well, get informed. There's plenty of information out there, and we're trying to, to share what we know about the STPs, and we will do so and continue to do so as we find out. Um, don't believe everything you read in the papers. I mean, yeah, this, I'm not talking about reading newspapers to find out what I know. I go and find out, I go research. You know, read the five-year forward view, read the sustainability and transformation. Well, people won't do that, and I wouldn't expect them to do that. But we should be writing to our MPs. We should be writing to the people in the NHS who make the decisions and saying this is not acceptable, really. And, th and that's, that's the only way that we can, other than, other than voting in whoever will look after the uh, public services clearly a very um, emotional emotive subject for you very passionate um so you're also a town councillor i am we're not sure how you find this time <laughs> i'm only halfway through and you're like this is my week i couldn't do this much stuff um you're a town councillor um for ilford Hume town council mm -hmm. um i think you're on a few committees is that right i started off i was only on one committee for the first two years i'm now on another committee which is finance and general purposes. The first two years I was on staffing. Uh, I'm still on staffing. Um, in fact, I'm now chair for my sins. Um, yeah, it's been a learning curve. It's quite interesting. You sort of go into these things, into politics. We all have preconceived ideas of what politicians are, uh, or people who are in political positions and what they do. And it's not until you get there you find out, really. Was it any different to what you thought? Um, Yes. I'm not sure. It made me wonder what I really did think. Uh, when people talk about the council, they mean lots of different things. I mean, in Devon, we've got three councils, well, three levels of council. We've got parish and districts and county, each of which are responsible for different things, although that's changing as the money from central government is being cut for county and it's being cut for district. Uh, responsibility for a lot of services is, is devolving back down to parish level. <coughs> so we're taking on a lot more responsibilities within the town, for the town. Not for everything. You know, potholes are still the responsibility of uh, highways, which is county. Um, collecting of rubbish is still, uh, is still district, things like that. Um, but uh, 
traditionally at, at parish level it's been about things like cemeteries and parks um, but we can do a lot more now we own the lantern we own the car park uh, we own the town clock and the uh, memorial uh, war memorial so yeah and the building of course that we're in the the Centre, all of which need managing. And as a town councillor, how do you feel that you make uh, an impact? I um, hmm. as, as part of staffing, it's been quite interesting. For I made an impact in the sense that I got involved in the reorganisation of our staffing group, of our of our staff rather, um, by using my data analysis approach to things. Um, and worked extremely well with the, the staffing team and I think we've come up with a much more streamlined and more efficient group um, and I think we've cut and we, indeed we have cut the cost whilst maintaining the, uh, the staffing levels that we've needed so I'm, I'm quite proud of that really um, I'm quite interested in this That um, so you recently ran for county council is that I correct? did um, which is levels up from parish or town councillor um, and within that you directly competed against quite a few of your town council colleagues is that right uh, yes how does that work how do you all feel do you all have just like is that separate and everyone goes we've, we've done that we move on well yeah, it makes no difference I mean it's 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 politics it's what you do if you're going to go for these things you go for them if you believe that you have something to offer then yeah go ahead it's a competitive unfortunately a competitive um, thing but you know it's, it's democratic in the sense that the people decide who they want representing them see i often think in my head that it would be really quite hard to take your approach seems a very pragmatic you know those are the answers, that is the outcome. I would probably struggle to take it less personally. Well, the thing is that the fight, as such as it is, the election, you know, the competition for the places, is the process to get onto the council. Now, for me, once I'm on the council, then that's, that's where we debate and that's where we look at what's best for the people we're representing. Um, so party politics... Is, 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 yeah, it's, it's a funny one. Party politics plays a place for, for me. It tells you who I am. It tells you it's a shortcut for people who, who may not know me, who've never met me, who know, who know nothing about me. It's a shortcut for them, really, to, to get a view of what my philosophy in life is like to be and what my, my, the way my leaning is towards policies. Because I don't agree with everything that the Green Party do. I don't say in their policies, but but they've been democratically agreed, and therefore, you know, it's you can't argue with it. You know, that's that's the group that I've chosen to align myself with, and so I will will pursue those ideals. So when I go into a council meeting, what any sort of council meeting, I go with a predisposition to to bring my um, green philosophies into play but I don't come in predetermined prejudging the outcome of any debate and I think that nobody should I think when you're in a council that's how it should be
So what worries me about the way we do politics in this country is we have that competition to get in. People will work hard for their constituents. Yeah, there are many constituency MPs who work extremely well for their constituents. But once they get into the uh, the council or the um, government, parliament, they're then doing what the party tells them. So they're working for the party, not for the not for the people. And and I find that I, I I don't I can't get on with that. I think that's probably quite clear in how you approach life. By you know you, you're out there doing stuff, and it's almost by accident that you've then gone further into the politics. So you've started by giving to the community and then working your way whereas some people just go in for the politics if that makes sense it does, I don't know if it was, as, it was quite like that but <laughs> interesting way of seeing things I'm just an interfering old busybody, busybody I think really <laughs> why not um, so just two more questions first why, I think we've covered it really but can you just sum up why you think it is that you just, you give back so much what is it about Ilfra Coombe and your person that makes you just want to contribute so much? Um, I don't know. I don't quite see it as in quite those terms. Okay. Um, I just think that, that I'm, I'm a believer in community and, and that if communities work together, everybody benefits. It's the... If people can work on their own and achieve quite a lot on their own uh, and 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 can share the, the fruits of their own their own achievements i guess with with friends or who they choose but I think if you get actually involved in a community setting in a community adventure that somehow the, the ripples go further that's all um so what's next then where's do you know for you I'm trying to put my feet up a bit. <laughs> well, it's, it's been a bit exhausting having two. You keep getting dragged back. Well, having back-to-back uh, elections uh, hasn't hasn't helped. Although I didn't, I must confess, I didn't work as hard um, for the general election as I did for the county. Um, but uh, no, SOHS is still. We've still got a long, long way to go. A long way to go. Yeah, and I'm also helping out. Um, I'm doing a data-based or a data model for a friend who's writing a, an application, so I'm, I'm having a look at the data for that. So I thought I'd ever see if I could still do it. Basically, you're not you're just slowing down, not stopping. Yes. Trying to get a bit more time for gardening, essentially. No, actually, going on holiday. I didn't go on holiday last week. Uh, last year, last week, last year. <laughs> uh, so I wouldn't mind going away a little bit um, in this this next few months. Smashing. Um, finally, I ask everyone, what is the view in North Devon, that place that you sit or go to and it sums it up and it makes what it's what you want to look at. It's too many. Well places to go. I like to go up on the tours. There's a there's a particular place on the tours to just sit and watch the sea. And look out and see that there's land on the other side. That's one of the things I like about Ilfracombe is you can see whales across the way. So it's not just water. There's also a bit of land. And, uh, yeah. It's the air. It's the sun. It's the sea. It's, well, it's not just the sun, actually. It's, it's, it's weather. It's water. It's, it's the cliffs. I can't, I can't describe it. <laughs> <laughs>
that's why they're views, I suppose. Um, thank you very much for taking your time to uh, talk to me. Um, you're very busy, I'm sure, and I wish you all the best for everything you need to go and do. Thank you. You have been listening to A Window on North Devon. The show is supported by Woodstock Windows, who have been supplying and fitting windows, doors and conservatories in homes in North Devon since 1986. For more information on this podcast or our supporters, go to woodstockwindows.co.uk forward slash blog. This show was produced by Jim Duncombe.